0: everyone and a very warm welcome to morning worship. As always a special welcome to our family and friends who are joining us from across the country and around the world and this morning that includes our good friend Dr. Graeme Meeklejohn from the Scottish Baptist College who will be leading our worship this morning. Graeme you are very welcome. During this service we'll not only be hearing from Graham; we'll hear the voices of Mary and Ian, Pierio and Holly. And as we sing along with ourselves, we'll hear Paul on keyboard and Yang Yang on violin. I'm hoping that in a minute or two, Benjamin and Bardia and their family will appear to light our candle. But if not, uh, Brian will do that instead. Then at 7pm this evening, we gather for our joint evening service on Zoom, when Brian will be leading our reflections on rewilding the church. This Wednesday evening at 8pm we have our first chill out and chat session. If you'd like to come along just for an hour to have a chat about uh, the topic Christmas is coming and what that might look like for us in practical terms this year. But the idea is just to share some simple ideas, maybe some recipes or some ideas how to make our homes look Christmassy. Uh, We might want to share a poem or a story about Christmas or if you'd just like to come along and listen or chat, that would be great. So that's 8 p.m. on Wednesday to 9 p.m. And then thank you to everyone who has replied to my email asking for some feedback on what you would value in terms of worship for Advent and Christmas this year. Um, I greatly appreciate it. It's, It's really helpful in guiding our thoughts. And if anyone was planning to do it and hasn't done it yet, You'll be fine for the next few days, up till Wednesday, I think, before we have to make hard and fast plans. Thank you too to everyone who has contributed to our Christian Aid Christmas appeal so far. We're now past the £800 mark, and I am just hugely grateful to everyone who has already gone onto our Just Giving page to do it. Again, if like many of us you've been thinking about doing it and you've meant to do it but you haven't done it yet. Um, Katrina will keep our Just Giving page open until the 30th of November. So if you'd still like to give, it's a simple process, just go on and do that. But please do remember to leave your name, because as is our practice here at Hillhead, this appeal is linked up to um, our sending greetings to one another. Instead of cards, we put all of the names of those who donated into the December issue of the Church magazine, sending greetings to our friends. So you don't have to make your donation public, but please try and remember to leave your name. And if you forget, just drop me an email letting me know. Family news now. Um, I'm sorry to say it as a church family, we have suffered two bereavements this week. Uh, Jean, um, thank you for letting me know that your brother died this morning. Um, We are thinking of you and Walter and also of your sister-in-law and your nieces at this really difficult time. It's so hard being far away from family and not knowing quite what's possible in terms of even to be part of a funeral. So we do remember Eugene and all the family. And we were also very sorry to hear, Katrina, that your granny had died uh, this week. And we are thinking of you and Ben and all of the family. We know so many of your family, Katrina. And so you are in our prayers. Again, at this difficult time, um, when so little is possible in terms of of family being together. And finally, for our prayers, Dr. Beth has asked for our prayers uh, for someone we don't know, but who's very dear to her, her friend Charlotte, who has recently developed a progressive neurological condition and has a new baby, uh, just a few weeks old. And Dr. Beth asked if we would remember Charlotte in our prayers. Next Sunday, Katrina will be back with us leading morning worship, and our joint evening service will be led by Helen Stimson. Now, I don't see Benjamin and Bardia on my screens, but if you're here, speak up now. And if not, I'll ask Brian to go now and light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way, may we glimpse Christ's light this day.
1: Well, good morning. It's uh, really good to be able to gather with you once again. Um, Last time I joined with you, we were in the height of summer. It was early August. Um, Now we find ourselves approaching the depths of winter, I was going to say it seems like there's been a let up in the weather today, but I look out my window and it's literally just started raining, so perhaps not. Um, But we definitely feel like we've hit that point in the year where some days it doesn't seem uh, to get light for very long, at least before it begins to get dark again. And so for us in the northern hemisphere at this time of year, there's something quite profound about the image of light coming into darkness. And it's one of my favourite themes to think about in this season. A little later on, you'll get to hear my justification for launching into some Christmas themes early. Uh, but for now, I want to just turn our thoughts to, to that one theme, light in the darkness. And I want to begin this morning by reading from Isaiah 9. And it's going to be Isaiah 9 verses 1 to 11. Quite a long passage, so please uh, bear with me. Never- nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress, In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. pray together. Lord God, we give you thanks for your Son, our Lord, who was spoken of by the prophets, announced by an angel, conceived by a virgin, and proclaimed to people of every race. We give you thanks because in his coming the day of salvation has dawned, and through him you will make all things new as he comes, in power and triumph, to restore the world. Today, as we meet to celebrate anew the coming of God's kingdom, we here reveal the mystery of God's loving purpose for us that we might share in the life and love of God. Let us then celebrate this coming with our hymns of praise that our lives may be changed with his life, that we may bear witness to his love. And so bring light to all those who sit in darkness. We pray for those among whom whom Christ was born the poor and the helpless, the aged and the young children, the cold, the hungry and the homeless, the victims of poverty, injustice and oppression, the sick and those who mourn, the lonely and the unloved, those in despair or in the shadow of death. We pray for them today. As we hear the message of peace on earth and goodwill among all his people, we pray for the leaders of our nations, that all may be inspired to work together for the establishment of justice, freedom, and peace the world over and may we bear true witness to the to this hope in a divided world we pray for the peace and unity of Christ's body that the whole earth may live to praise his name amen
0: our father
1: who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom
0: come thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever.
2: Amen. Reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king to the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where the Messiah was to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said,
3: We shine so
2: The second Bible reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has said by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who was being taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into the heaven."
1: Well, as anyone who speaks regularly in church will probably attest to, sometimes a talk comes together quickly with Maurice and other times it takes a bit longer to develop. And so as I sat there on Thursday, I realised that this was going to be one of those times where the ideas were going to have to come together slightly later in the day. I went into my tutor group at the Scottish Baptist College that morning and on Thursdays in our group, we share praise points and prayer points, basically events that we're thankful for in the previous week, and also concerns that we have going forward that we want to commit to prayer. I shared that I would appreciate prayer for leading you all this morning at Hill Head, or actually perhaps more accurately, um, asked for prayers for all of you listening. Um, in that group, we began talking about how, actually the week before Advent, is a bit of an awkward Sunday to pick a topic for. Do you launch into Christmas already? Or do you just do something completely different and ignore that Christmas is coming altogether? One of my colleagues uh, reminded me that in some traditions, Advent starts in mid-November, as it mirrors the 40 days of Lent. Advent and Lent are both the feasts, sorry, both the fasts before the feasts. In the Eastern Orthodox tradition and some Catholic traditions, Advent begins on November 15th or even sundown on November 14th, and it marks the feast day of Philip the Apostle. In fact, some early traditions across Europe have Advent beginning on November 12th, as the day after St. Martin's Day. It wasn't actually until about the 13th century that the start of Advent became the Sunday closest to St. Andrew's Day, which of course is particularly relevant for us in Scotland. So all of this is really just an extended introduction to justify why I want to think about Advent already today. And one uh, advantage I think of thinking about Advent uh, before the start of the more traditional Advent period is the ability to consider its overarching theme, depending on your traditions and your church. Advent often gets fragmented into the four weeks, thinking about hope, peace, joy, and love, or perhaps thinking about prophets, angels, shepherd, and the Magi, but sometimes what is lost is that overall image of Christ's coming. In fact, Advent itself uh, means arrival or coming and can actually symbolize Christ's incarnation at Bethlehem or his indwelling or arrival in the heart of all Christians or ultimately his return in glory at the second coming. Advent reminds us that Christ was here, Christ is here, and Christ will be here again. As I was thinking about this theme of arrival, I was struck by an image in the birth narrative that has a parallel, I think, in the ascension narrative. We've read them already today. In Matthew 2, the Magi or wise men are looking up into the sky and see a star that heralds the arrival of Jesus. And in fact, a number of times in the birth narrative, people are looking up into the sky, being told of Christ's coming. At the very least, we read of Mary, the shepherds and the magi, all being forced to look upwards to either angels or stars in the sky. And then in Acts 1, we read of the disciples looking up intently into the sky is how it's put and being told that Christ will return in the same way. This morning, I don't want to look too much into whether Christ will return in this particular way. I'm content for the text to do the work, but I did think it was an intriguing parallel image denoting the arrival of Christ in both his first and second coming. I think there are intentional parallels and intentional contrasts that can be drawn between Christ's first and his second coming, But the intentionality of these parallels and contrasts actually unify uh, both events as one grand act of God's revelation of himself to the world through Christ. In both cases, there is simplicity and complexity. And I want to think further about this paradox of these parallel images. In doing so, I hope to consider what it might mean for us to recognize both the simplicity and complexity of Christ's arrivals through Advent and beyond. Each Christmas, I'm struck by the simple beginnings of Jesus. In my mind, it's captured perfectly by the carol or little town of Bethlehem. There's a line that we sing that goes, while while mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wondering love. You can't really say that without trying to sing it. Um, But I think that's so accurate. There's there was actually very few people that knew of Christ's birth, but not really many. There's some ordinary people and there's some prominent people and all strata of society are involved. But the reality is that Jesus' birth didn't translate into a wider social awareness that the Messiah had arrived. And even any excitement in the birth narratives kind of fizzles out. There's a bit of a buzz again when Jesus is 12, but then it fades away until almost two days decades later when the crazy John the Baptist begins heralding that the kingdom of God is near. If nothing else, the manger reminds us of the simple and really unimpressive arrival of the Messiah in a small outpost of the Roman Empire. Of course, Christ's second coming seems like it's gonna be anything but quiet. Instead of a quiet arrival, the scene is set for a triumphant return in the splendor of a returning king. But rather than simplicity arriving from the perhaps mundane or unimpressive, simplicity in Christ's return here comes from the sense of clarity and unambiguous revelation. Philippians 2 tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Revelation 1 indicates that every eye will see. And the number of times that trumpets are mentioned, I'm pretty sure that every ear is going to hear as well there's a definite sense that Christ's second return will be clear and simple. So while there's a stark contrast in the imagery between the first and second coming, there's also a clear unity and simplicity. In the first coming, the simplicity is relatable in its earthiness and its rootedness in time and place. In the second coming, there's simplicity in the clarity and all inclusiveness. There used to be a series of adverts for Stellar Artois um, that used the strap line reassuringly expensive. The adverts depicted in often humorous ways why you should pay top dollar for Stellar Artois. It's actually a very clever marketing move when you think about it. In some ways, though, I want to brand the birth narratives as reassuringly simple. We're left in no doubt about the simple and plain circumstances of Christ's birth but also we're in no doubt about the simple clarity of his triumphant return. I was struck this week by a post on social media that said if Christians peddle fake news and conspiracy theories as if they were truth, then how do we think that people will react to us sharing the truth of the gospel? It really struck me that we ought to deeply consider the integrity of our witness. Of course, those that spread fake news or peddle conspiracy theories often think they are attending to a hidden truth, something that is veiled from the rest of the world. And yes, I believe we should question, and yes, we shouldn't just accept everything we hear, particularly if it seems to be covering oppression and injustice, but there's also an integrity in simplicity. Truth is complex, but there's also integrity in clarity. If fake news is wrapped up in many layers of unproven accusations and multiple levels of deception, it strikes me that it actually loses its integrity through a lack of clarity. And likewise, if conspiracy theories only hold water when you have some kind of special insight and ability to see through the plain evidence, then it strikes me that it loses integrity through a lack of simplicity. As Lena reminded me this week, there are forms of Gnosticism alive and well today. The simplicity of Christ's arrivals remind us that God is not wrapped up in layers of impenetrable mystery, so obscure that the human experience cannot find him, but rather in both Christ's birth and his second coming, we recognize the simplicity and clarity of God's revelation to humans. I think we would do well to remember this in the coming time of Advent. So if we reflect on the simplicity of Christ's coming, we also have to acknowledge that there is a complexity in both the birth narratives and his second coming. Despite the clarity I've just indicated in Christ's return, we are also given a sense of mystery repeatedly we're told in the new testament that the time and circumstances of christ's return are not to be known we're not told much about what the resurrection of the dead looks like or how the final reconciliation will take place any ideas i think are necessarily speculative because they are not yet to take place and so the the territory comes with a certain complexity i think here once again We must be careful of how we witness to these ideas, not getting caught up in promoting systems that determine the end of the world or bogged down by reading the signs predicting that the end is nigh. Perhaps these are more extreme examples of errors that can come from ignoring the complexity of Christ's return, but we should also be careful that we don't just sit and wait for the end as if it is clear cut and ambiguous and just a timeline of events to be fulfilled, we're actually invited to get involved in the complex work of the kingdom in the present. We're called to seek the peace of the city here and now. We're called to seek justice in places of injustice, and we're called to be bearers of hope in an often hopeless world. The lack of exactitude shouldn't lead us to prevarication or inaction, but rather the complexity should encourage us to faithful witness in the present. There is also complexity in the birth narratives, and it functions, I think, on at least two levels. First, there is complexity in the socio-historical narrative, and the story of the Magi exemplifies this well. Herod clearly feels threatened by the arrival of a new king, most probably because of the fragility of his own position as a puppet king of the Roman Empire. He provides a contrast between the worldly appointed king of the Jews and Christ as the true king of the Jews. The resulting threats to Christ and Herod's ongoing exploitation of the people of Jerusalem brings back a provocative image of Egypt's Pharaoh and the exodus of the Israelites and reminds us of Christ's liberating role. And yet Christ doesn't come simply to remove the occupying forces or append the corrupt political and re- religious systems, but to usher in an altogether new way of life. The Magi somewhat unwittingly cause all Jerusalem to be disturbed. Here, all Jerusalem represents the ruling classes, the political elite and the seat of religious power. And this narrative again reminds us that Christ comes to disturb how we think about power underneath the simplicity of the birth narrative lies a rich and complex socio-political cri- critique of the way the world is structured and what and what Christ did then Christ can do now we shouldn't lose sight of the challenging and revolutionary nature of the birth narrative furthermore I think there is significant complexity in the incarnation regarding Christ as fully human and fully divine. You'll probably be relieved that I don't intend to go into all the debates and discussions around what this means, but simply to say that the complexity of Christ's natures should leave us in a state of awe and wonder. As John's gospel narrates most clearly, Christ's birth is God moving into the neighbourhood, Emmanuel, God with us. God who made the whole world and exists from eternity to eternity is found in the baby born of Mary in time and space at Bethlehem lying in a manger. And I think here the simplicity and complexity converge. We shouldn't let the simplicity of the birth narrative exclude the complexity of the incarnation that is God on earth. And yet we shouldn't let the complexity of the incarnation make us lose sight of the simplicity of God with us. We enter into the season of Advent remembering Christ's birth with all the joy and hope of a newborn baby that reminds us that God is with us. But we do so alongside the awe and wonder of the revelation of God on earth. And it is the same when we look ahead to Christ's second coming. We remind ourselves of the joy and hope of the promised fulfillment of all creation alongside the awe and wonder of God's glory being revealed in all its fullness. Like many other things this year, Advent 2020 is going to be much different, but our hope in Christ transcends the limitations of any lockdown. And so we continue to celebrate safely and responsibly until we can meet together again. May I take this opportunity to wish you a very happy Advent season and hope that you can see the joy in the simplicity of Christ's arrivals and wonder at the complexities of his coming. In all our Advent reflections, I hope that you find yourself drawn ever more closely to the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you.
4: Morning. Um, I'd like to start by thanking Graeme because I got to dig my um, Advent resources out a week early, which I'm always, uh, always grateful for the opportunity to do. Um, and our prayers this morning are um, adapted from a prayer by Dorothy McCray McMahon. Um, let us pray. Oh, God of hope and bearer of peace. We remember before you today, those who most long for love to be born among them, those near to us and those far away. In our own church, we pray for Jean and family after the death of her brother and Katrina and her family after the death of her granny. We pray that you would comfort them. In our prayer diary, we pray for our pastoral care team, working hard to continue to support people during lockdown. And the coffee club meeting to support each other in new ways. We pray for Paul P and Mary P, for Jenny, for Leslie and Alistair, for Grace and Will, for Nancy, for Lizzie and Petrie, for Jean R, for Sylvia and Norman, for Ian and Elizabeth, for Ailey, John, Owen and Ethan, for Joan R, for Nula, Jonathan, Idris and Casper. in our wider community we pray for beth's friend charlotte as she lives with an uncertain diagnosis soon after having a baby we pray also for her family and friends and her church as they seek to find ways to offer support to her in the baptist union of scotland we pray for southside christian fellowship in Ayr. For Springburn Baptist Church, for St Andrew's Baptist Church and for St Mary's Community Church in Dundee as they enter this Advent and Christmas season like no other. This week BMS invite us to pray for their work in Thailand, Guinea and Nepal and for the nations of Afghanistan and Tunisia. O God and bearer of peace, we remember before you today those who most long for love to be born among them, those near to us and those far away. Do not leave us comfortless, O God. Send to us the signs that the waiting will not be forever. Point us to the shoots of new life, the fragile signs of our survival, the small trickles of things to come. Send to us the signs that the waiting will not be forever. Transform the fires of our burning into gathered care for all who grieve and suffer loss tiny candles lit beside the manger which carries your life send to us signs that the waiting will not be forever come into our world Jesus Christ come and lead us on into the ways of peace and grace come and be the summer of the earth, which brings fruitfulness and the miracle of new life. Send to us signs that the waiting will not be forever, for it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: For our benediction today, I'm going to read from perhaps a slightly strange uh, passage. It comes from 1 Timothy 6, verses 12 to 16. But I think it captures something of both that simplicity and complexity. So as a benediction, let's hear these words. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honour and might forever. Amen.